Morning, church. Morning. How are you? Good. You enjoying Throwback Sunday? A little different, huh? I uh, wondered, Al, if maybe later in the service you could do that. Jesus is a friend of mine. That was a good shot of you back in the 70s. <laughs> ah, yes. Lots and lots of variety when it comes to music and worship. Uh, and yet, God was glorified in each of those situations. Some of you that have been around a while uh, kind of can touch base, connect some dots in each of those periods of time. Uh, but someone older, like, uh, say, Bill Kerwin or Bill Kretschmer, uh, when you're that old, you, you really like to go back to, like, the Gregorian chants that we began with. Uh, <laughs> ancient of days of... Uh, uh, that's kind of going way back, but we're not going to go back that far. Is that, that, that okay? Uh, I like oldies. How many of you like oldies? Good. A lot of you do. In fact, uh, uh, I don't listen to a lot of music, quite honestly. Uh, I like to worship the Lord live and uh, in His presence and all that kind of stuff. So I don't listen to a lot, but I do like listening uh, to oldies. It does take you back to a different time and place. And as Don said, kind of puts you right back there. It's an amazing thing. It's the, it's the power of music. But uh, you say you like oldies. How many of you like the good old days? Uh, no, don't raise your hand on that one, okay, because I'm about to get you. <laughs> uh, so we think about throwback Sundays. We think about looking backwards. Uh, oh, yeah, I wanted to finish with this. Uh, for those of you that are uh, a certain age and younger, uh, this is called a Bible. Um, it has sometimes a leather binding like this, and it has pages. It's kind of an amazing thing. Uh, it's called a Bible. Can you say Bible? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, this is called a hymn book. Hymn book. And inside of this book is music written in different parts. Wow. A hymn book. Can you say hymn book? Yes, it's an amazing kind of thing that came out of the museum, right? Uh, but I thought I'd show you uh, the kind of stuff that I grew up with, all right? <laughs> Solomon had something to say about looking backwards. And if you have your sermon notes, would like to follow along, here we go for this morning. Solomon said, don't long for the good old days, this is not wise. Do not long for the good old days, this is not wise. Because the good old days probably weren't as good as they think they are, and or were. And God is a God who doesn't reside in the past, but in the present. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Now, Jesus told stories about clothes and wine to warn us about the dangers of living in the past. Solomon said, don't do it, it's not wise. Jesus also reinforced this. Listen to his words. Jesus gave them this illustration. No one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins, but no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. Ah, the old is just fine. Now, in context, Jesus was talking about blowing up a religious system controlled by the Pharisees and Sadducees. He said, get ready because something new's coming. But if something new's coming, i got to blow up the old. In fact, you can't hang on to the old and move forward. It's an impossibility. 
So in his teaching, Jesus made that very, very emphatic point. The old is not just fine if we're going to move forward with God. The Apostle Paul never forgot about where he had come from. Do you know that? He would write in the present tense, I'm the chiefest of sinners. It's me. I know where I was, and I know what God's done for me. But even though he knew where he'd come from, he didn't let his past direct his future. Here's what he said. I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. This is my single-minded purpose, forgetting what is behind, forgetting the past. I am moving on with God. And if I'm going to move on with God, he's in the now, the right now. So we all understand living the past is like driving your car forward while looking in the rearview mirror. Probably not going to end up well. You ever tried that? Driving forward while you look backward. Yeah, that's not going so well, right? But now, if we consider that, all right, we certainly understand uh, we're not supposed to live in the past. I think we, we all grasp that. Some of us here are stuck in the past. Some of us in this room are stuck emotionally at 15, 16 years old. Uh, We're stuck because something happened back there, and we desperately need the freedom of Jesus to launch us into the present so that we can have a future that God intends for us. We're not supposed to live in the past. What about uh, the rest of the folk who spend a lot of time in the future? Hmm. What about the other end of the spectrum? Do you find yourself thinking about the future a lot? You find yourself worrying about the future a lot, maybe overthinking it. If you do, join the club, because I'm one of those, right? This is me. This is me. Uh, Much of my life has been spent thinking, not a week ahead, but a year ahead or five years ahead. I position my life, I position the ministry that I'm serving, everything. I'm always looking. I'm always wondering what's up around the next bend The next corner, what's behind that? I can't wait to get there. So I'm always thinking ahead. But unlike the past, you see, the future is unknown. It's incredibly vast. It's totally unpredictable. We can't figure it out. It holds great possibilities for both joy and peace, but at the same time for great turmoil and despair. So many of us in this room, spend a whole lot of time and energy trying to figure out the future so that our future, uh, the reality of the future, then can match our expectations because we all have expectations about our future, right? And and so what we're going to do is try to maneuver and position ourselves so that the reality that we're facing meets the expectation that I have of where I want my life, my career, my family, everything to go. And so we as Americans spend lots of time and energy uh, attempting to match reality with expectations and, in a way, control our own destiny and future. That's a very, very dangerous way to live because the future is totally unpredictable. We don't know what's going to happen to us when we walk out this door. huh? So that term is called future tripping. It's also called anticipatory anxiety. Love all these new psychological terms. They just keep coming one after another. Wow. Okay. Future tripping. Let's think about this uh, for just a moment. Future tripping is peeking into our imagined future and predicting the outcome. It's trying to take a peek into our future and we're going to predict the outcome and then we're going to do everything we can to obtain that outcome. 
Is that right for a Jesus follower to live this way? Huh. Huh. Every one of us future trips to some degree or another. Everyone in this room future trips. Some of you are future tripping right now. What am I going to do after the service? What's for lunch? What's happening this afternoon? What's going on tomorrow? Next week? Next year? Right? We're future tripping. We worry and sometimes freak out about the future. And when we do this, we miss the enjoyment of the present moment. And this is what I want to address. The present moment. Not living in the past. Not future tripping ahead. But staying right here. Now, uh, future tripping is embedded in our Western culture. It's embedded now in our everyday lives. More and more, and particularly as technology grabs us more and more, we're constantly challenged to set goals. Oh, wait, there goes my watch. Time to stand. Time to move. Time to do this. Time to do that. You've got to meet your exercise goal. My watch is controlling, right? Always new goals, always new goals. Keep pushing it forward. And so in our Western culture, future tripping is becoming more and more embedded in everything that we do. So what do we do? We make a plan to meet the goals and we schedule deadlines and make sure it all happens on our timetable, of course. I've got to meet that goal. Okay. Every job interviewer asks, where do you see yourself in five years? That is just embedded into everything that we do. As Americans, where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> uh, write it down sometime, see where we are in five years, right? Uh, you see, all, much, uh, nearly all of our advertising is designed to intentionally create dissatisfaction with the stuff that you currently have. It's not good enough, it's not fast enough, it's not cool enough. And what they do is then they portray this future happiness and bliss when we buy the particular product they're peddling. Your life is going to be so much better in the future. And I'm going to create discontentment with where you are, what you have right now. And so if you buy this thing, your life is going to be so much better going forward, right? Ah. Ah, that's future tripping. Jesus also addressed the idea of future tripping. He's way ahead of all the new psychological terms, by the way. Right? I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Do not worry about tomorrow. Say that with me. Do not Now preach to your neighbor. Tell them that. No, no, no. Preach it again. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Go ahead. Did they stop? No. Jesus continues, for tomorrow we'll worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And together the church said, that's right. Each day he's got enough trouble of his own. Why do I have to make up stuff for tomorrow? It's going to come anyway, right? So, If excessive baggage carrying and staying in the past is not right, and if future tripping, looking forward is not right, what's left? Hmm. Hmm. So often, though, we are living in yesterday or tomorrow. Yesterday, tomorrow. That's exactly what Jesus taught us not to do. Yesterday is gone. It's done. It's finished. We can never fix our mistakes or change our history. I think we all get that. 
Tomorrow's not yet here. Living in the fear of tomorrow, future-tripping, anticipatory anxiety, uh, gives us ulcers and high blood pressure and heart attacks and discouragement and despair and hopelessness and all the rest that goes with it because we see the wheels coming off and the world's just collapsing. So I ask you, how much of your life is lived in yesterday or tomorrow? How much of it? Majority of it? Yeah, I think if we're honest, majority of it. Is this the way Jesus wants us to live? Here's something the Lord has been working in my heart for a long time. My entire spiritual life when I came to Jesus in my 20s up till now, but much more intensely as of late. Stay in the present, John. Stay in this moment, Stay with me here. Stay with me. Stay with me. Don't go back. Don't future trip forward. Stay right here, right now. Right with the person that's right in front of you. Right with the experience that I want to give you right now in this moment. And so I just want to share with you from my heart how how this kind of looks in me, okay? Uh, It starts because I have to understand who God is. God, who are you? Are you God of the past, the future, present? Who are you? Well, the word of God answers that. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. And then 1,500 years later, Jesus repeats that Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. I am. He is not the great I was. He is not the great I will be. He is the great I am. That is where we encounter God in the present moment. He is the great I am. He wants his followers to live like this as well, as though he were the great I am, not the great I will be. Make sense to you? So this is what the Lord is teaching me. He is the great I am. He is concerned about my responses, my attitudes, my actions right in this moment. Not to live in the past with all of its regrets, nor to look forward and say, I'm going to try to do better. He's not interested in any of that. He's saying, walk with me now, right in this moment. Right now. Right now. Now, I'm not talking about living for the moment. If we say, well, I'm just going to live for the moment. No, 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 no. That's a really nearsighted, selfish, and has an incredibly short-term perspective. I'm going to live for the moment. Woohoo! That's not at all what I'm talking about. I'm talking about living in the moment. In the moment. That's learning to live in today. And not allowing yesterday, not allowing tomorrow to rob us fully of what God is doing right now. And the joy and the agony of walking with God right in this moment, right now. God wants us in the moment. What a struggle that is for us as Americans. Wow. The word of God, Deuteronomy 30. The word is right here and now, as near as the tongue in your mouth, as near as the heart in your chest. Just do it. Look at what I've done for you today. I placed in front of you life and good, death and evil, and I command you today, love God, your God, walk in his ways. Today, keep his commandments, regulations, and rules so you will live, really live. Live in the moment, right now. The great I am welcomes us, bids us stay in 
the moment the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them. If you put that in context, he's testing their obedience, their willingness to follow him wherever he would lead. I will test them. I will give them enough for how long? That day. Just that day, that moment. Now, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray and model the prayer, he said, give us this day our daily bread. Wow. The same thing that the God of the Old Testament, who is the God of the New Testament, is saying to his people all along, enough just for this day. Enough just for this moment. Stay here. Stay here. So he was communicating this here now mentality. Stay here with me. Stay here with me. He's teaching us to draw our attention back to the moment by saying, when you pray, just be reminded. Pray for what you need right now. Now let me ask you, when you pray to God above, how much do you pray for right now? Or how much do you pray about what you need, what you want, what you are way down the road? How much do we pray about right now? Give us this day. He's saying, trust him for your needs right now. That's going to pull you back into the moment so you're not worrying about tomorrow. You're staying right here. You're not going forward wondering what's going to happen. If this doesn't happen, blah, 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 blah. Stay with me right now, right now, in the moment, in the moment. So he's teaching us to balance present thinking and future tripping. He knew that if we get too wrapped up in the what might happen, what might happen, or the future of what's going to happen, we're going to miss out on the what is happening of the present. What is happening? What is God saying to you right now? He is speaking moment by moment. He's not waiting tomorrow to talk to you. He's not waiting for tomorrow to embrace you. He's not holding you hostage by your past. He's speaking right now. The question is, what is he saying? What is he saying? Forget the former things, Isaiah wrote. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? How can I perceive it? I'm stuck in the future. I'm stuck in the past. I can't see what you're doing right now, God. And I'm missing the opportunity to walk with you, to embrace you, to love you right now. You see, the present happenings are usually the times when we can be transformed most powerfully. It is the present moment. That's when we have the most impact on those around us, the most impact for the kingdom of God. It's right now, right here. Now, all for planning ahead. The Bible says it's wise to plan ahead, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm all for planning. But we can't get too caught up in how our lives are going to play out financially, physically, spiritually, our kids, all that stuff. I invite you to join me in refocusing on the present, trusting God to supply this day's needs and see how the future unfolds. It's a much more liberating way to live. He promised that if we would do this, if we would pray this, it would be significant transformation on the inside. So how do we do this? That's where the rubber meets the road. Okay, I get all that. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. I need to say right here, right in a moment. How do I do it? That's the question. 
How am I going to do this? It's easier said than done, right? Well, here's something I've been learning. Our future is assured because God is in charge. That, if I can focus on this just for a minute. Oh, my goodness. You're in charge. You're in charge. Isaiah 14. The Lord of heaven's armies has sworn this oath. It will happen as I have planned. It will be as I have decided. That's the kind of God I serve. He's got everything, every detail, every breath, every heartbeat. It's all right there. It's his. He's in charge. We're not. The devil's not. The world's not. Your spouse isn't. I don't care. God is in charge. Do you believe that? I believe that with all my heart. And because I believe that, I can begin to focus on the present in a more liberating way because I know he's got the future. Unless, of course, you want to be God and determine your own future. Maybe you can figure out better than he can. I don't know. Maybe you're smarter than he is. Maybe you're wiser than he is. Try it out. See how it fits. He's much better being in charge than I am. Right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, this is called mindfulness. Mindfulness. (gasps) Mindfulness. Oh, that sounds like some kind of new age, weird, Eastern religion kind of thing. What are you bringing in the church now, John? <laughs> I think it's important that we define words, right? Because if we have a common definition, we develop a common language. So I want to make sure we're understanding the way I use this word because it can be kicked around in a whole bunch of different ways. So I think back over my years in ministry and the word meditation and all this stuff came under fire. Like, oh my goodness, just chill out, would you? Mindfulness. We're using it this way. The state or quality of being aware of something. That sounds pretty generic, doesn't it? Or focusing one's full attention on the present. Hello? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? So that's the way we're using mindfulness. All right? That's the definition right there. Now, Christian mindfulness is present moment living in the eternal reality that God is in charge of a kingdom that's uh, not only awaiting us, it's here right now. If I can live in that reality that God is in charge right now and will be, I can begin to be mindful of his presence moment by moment. Now, I believe that Jesus was the most mindful and the most single-minded person who ever lived. Would you agree with that? Hmm. He was focused on one thing. What do you think he was focused on? The kingdom of God, right? Here's what he said. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek the kingdom of God above all. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, no matter what your translation, right? Put the kingdom of God first. Now, if we apply this then to the life of Jesus, look at what happens. When he was focused, because he was bringing in the kingdom of God, that just freed him. He knew who he was. He knew what he was about. And that focus shot out all of the petty distractions around him. How many of you have petty distractions going on in your life right now? They're everywhere. They're all the time, right? How do we shut those things down and retain some sense of focus in all this? He wasn't worried about what was going to happen next because his intent was the kingdom of God and staying in the kingdom in the moment right now and the next moment and the next moment and the next moment. By doing this, Jesus was then opened up to whatever was happening around him. He wasn't using all of his energies to worry about 
what's going to happen or regret what it was in the past. He was able to stay powerfully in the moment. He trusted everything was in his father's hands and out of his own. So that just freed him. Okay, now I don't have to worry about that stuff. I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to stay in the moment. He was able to be fully present to the crowds, to the disciple, to the child, to the woman, to the man, to the Pharisee, to his father. He was able to stay right there in the moment because he put the kingdom first. Seek first his kingdom. It's all around us. It's here now. It's within us. This is his. It's all his. He's in charge. We don't have to worry about that. We don't have to worry about whether it's a Democrat or Republican in this position or that. He's in charge. He's in charge. Come on now. Come on. Now, I want to live like that more and more. Freedom from the regrets of the past. Freedom from the fear of the future. That is getting very, very close at hand when we are consciously conscious of the Lord. How are we consciously conscious of the Lord? Man, this is something I'm, I'm really working on. And I'm reading a book called Present Perfect. And what is a bunch of the dead guys, right? I remind you, read the dead guys. They're really cool. And the struggles that they had, whether it was a monk from the 3rd century or the 10th century or the 15th century, makes no difference how these men of God struggle to stay in God's presence. And, and to read of their journeys, attempting to live in God's presence moment by moment by moment. And so some of this is really clicking uh, with me. I, I want to live more and more like that, to be consciously conscious of the Lord. And the best place to start is in our daily life, in daily life, in the reality and the rhythms of the mundane. When you get up in the morning, what's the first thought that crosses your mind? It can be Jesus. It can be the kingdom of God. It can be. That's a choice that everyone has to make. Now, how many of you brush your teeth once a day, at least. Oh, praise God, this is good stuff. Okay, how many of you, like me, brush twice a day? Wow. How many of you brush more than twice a day? Whoa! Okay, good. Yeah, there's some OCD people here. We love you too. Everybody's welcome. Okay, good. When we have our breakfast, when we take a shower, when we're driving our car, when we're sitting at our desk, when we're spending time in our devotions, right? Time uh, in God, in his word and in prayer. That can be some of the most distracting times of your day when you're least conscious of the Lord, when you're doing your devotions. Some of you are not. You know exactly what I mean. It's a struggle. It's a struggle to stay present with the Lord in those moments. Now, here's some things that are helping me. When I walk the dog, right? which I do regularly, I'm going to make sure that I am conscious of the Lord's presence. I'm praying for the homes that I pass by. What's happening behind those closed doors? Jesus has already gone ahead of me into that neighborhood. He's already knocking on their doors. I don't have to do that. He's already gone before. It's his kingdom, right? I just want to be a part of his mission. He's knocking on their doors, right? I just want to be available when he wants to use my mouth to speak some truth or some love or just a hello or just a smile into their life. Dog's a great way to do that. Great way to do that. Just walk in the neighborhoods. Everybody stops, talks to them. Yeah, okay. It's great. I, I want to stay present. God, what do you want here? When I get on the pickleball court, I'm learning to pray. God, there are unbelievers that I'm playing with. I'm competitive. I want to beat you. 
and I'm going to do everything I can to beat you, right? But what does God want in this moment? Jesus, slow me down. Just give me a moment. Why am I here? What does he want me to know about this moment? Who here needs a touch? God, please, open my eyes. So I'm beginning to get more and more conscious uh, of these kinds of things. When I'm out running, right? Uh, I'm, I'm running, running, yeah, okay. Mile after mile, we're running, 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 running. But, but God has me on a mission there, you see. In the path that I'm going, he's already got it all set up. And he's working things out way in front of me. And I want to say, God, why am I running here? What do you have for me? What's going on? What's going on? Right? What does he want me to know? What does he want me to do? What does he want me to see? Oh, you want me to run by the lake and I just see the majesty of your creation. My heart praises God. I'm present with him in that moment. I'm pulling weeds out of the garden. I look at the flower. It's all. That didn't evolve. That's a gift from heaven. Just to stay conscious of the Lord in those moments. Moment by moment by moment. Wow. Now, most of us attempt to bring God awareness into our lives and into our homes. We say grace at meals, right? Okay, everybody come on. I swear. That's a great, great thing to do. But imagine if we took those moments and multiplied them throughout the day. The presence of the Lord constantly throughout the day not just when we sit down and pray over the food but moment by moment bring our families into the presence of the lord oh my goodness think it might make a difference i do i do we have a choice to let our minds travel the past or the future or someplace else or we have the choice to stay in the present that is a choice that god has given each of us it's tough to live in the moment when life plays rough do you agree with that it's really tough. Stay in a moment. Todd, do you agree with that? Todd, come on up here. And close this message with this. Uh, we better go up here. That'll be good. Hey, can you guys say hi to Todd? Good. How many of you like Todd? Would you not raise your hand? Good. <laughs> Have a seat, my friend. Uh, Todd serves as an elder here uh, at Southside. Uh, he's a man that we respect. His heart is tender towards the things of the Lord. He's a brother. He's a friend. And uh, uh, recently, he's developed a, a physical condition. Uh, and this is a man of prayer. And if you're interested in praying, talk to this guy sometime. He'd love to have you be a part of the prayer team here at Southside. Okay? So if that's a really burden on your heart, this man loves to pray. So, Todd, something's happening with you. Tell us about it. Um, probably about two and a half, three months ago, um, I started developing an issue with my eye and my left eye. And um, started getting these sparkly things going on pretty much regularly, uh, kind of like when you get up too fast. Mm-hmm. Um, it went on for about a week, and I started um, losing vision in that eye, so I went to see several doctors and ultimately got down to Milwaukee and found out that I have a condition called ischemic optic neuropathy, which is basically um, blood flow to the eye that's interrupted and causes blindness. So 
Uh, I had about 50% blindness after about two to three weeks. And then about two, well, in July, just before Life Fest, um, I started losing more sight, which was a surprise because we thought we had it stabilized. Um, conditions non-reversible, so um, pretty much blind in my left eye. So life plays tough, and staying in the moment then becomes more intriguing because there's always a story. Todd, tell us what happened to your dad. Uh, about three years before he passed away, he went totally blind. Um, and he had a procedure done with, with his heart, didn't work, and um, because of the plaque he had in his system, there had broken off and went to his retinal nerves, and basically he lost sight. Within two weeks, he was totally blind. Totally devastating for my dad, and he just wanted to give up and die, pretty much. So you've got the same thing going on. Very similar. Um, I've been told that my right eye is um, not as uh, apt for this to happen again, but there's no guarantee. So I kind of live in this past of my dad having that happen, thinking daily, is that going to happen to me? <laughs> and that was agonizing for you to watch your dad go through that, wasn't it? Oh, it's terrible. I went through it with him, and I'd always reassure him, saying, you know, Dad, it's... I understand how bad it is, even when I didn't realize at the time how bad it was for him. But um, I said, you know, you can still feel the sun on your shoulders and you can feel the wind blow and um, you can still live. But um, I didn't really understand the hell he was going through because his mind started playing tricks on him and he would see things and and uh, he would be like he was totally out of his mind for days on end. He wouldn't sleep and it was some condition that happens when... You're, when you lose your vision after that long I, I can't remember what it's called but it's, it plays tricks with you and you hallucinate even though you can't see it's very strange so all that's going through my mind when all this is happening kind of tough to stay in the moment isn't it yeah completely impossible for me yeah. I'm always thinking of what's going to happen what did happen and what's going to happen so you were recently holding your grandson Drew and you're looking at him, and what was going on inside you? Um, I started crying. I, um, I, th I looked at him, and I, I thought how blessed I was to be able to see him and what he looks like today, and thinking maybe I would not be able to see him in the future and what, that would look like, what he would look like and grow up to be. I would never see that. So um, it, was a, it was a bittersweet kind of a moment for me. You've had a bunch of those lately. Yep. And I have another granddaughter that she was just born recently. A real, really cute four-pound granddaughter. Um, just I was blessed to see her. Um, but yet, I don't know what the future brings, and I have to try not to think about that. That's right. So, Todd, how do you stay in the present, even though you're wrestling with these heavy kinds of things? Um, my, <clears throat> my motto used to be one day at a time. And um, it's now become one moment at a time. Um, I've tried to think to myself that I need to, and in the past I was told to live for Jesus is to live moment by moment with him. So I try to every moment walk with him and not think of what my mind wants to tell me, but what Jesus told me. I, I find comfort in God's word. Um, 
in John chapter 9, the Bible tells us about Jesus healing a blind man, and, or, and they asked him why he was, what sin had his parents committed that he was blind, and he said it wasn't that, it was to the glory of God and to the works, to show the works of God to those around him. So um, I try and stay in the moment knowing God's going to use whatever, whatever happens is God's will, and, and I accept that. Can you do it alone, or is it other people help you in this journey? I can't do it alone. Um, nobody can walk a road of conflict or a road of um, experiences, whatever it is in your life, whatever you're struggling or whatever you're going through. You cannot walk it alone. You have to walk it with brothers and sisters. Um, I have people praying for me all the time, not just from this church, but from other churches uh, that where my mother, my brother, our sisters are involved with. So um, I know that God is working through others. I understand that um, to accept whatever is down the road because God's going to use it for his glory. It's not about me. It's not about how angry I can feel or how broken I feel. Um, it's about what God's going to do. Yeah. That good stuff, church. That good stuff. That's real. That's real life. Uh, let's, uh, I'm just going to ask somebody to stand where you are and pray for Todd uh, as you pray for all of us because we're all wrestling with those same kinds of things that, that tend to rip us out of the present, out of the presence of the great I am and bind us to the past or to the future. He is the great I am. Uh, let's bow together. And one of you that feels led, uh, you just stand and let's pray for Todd, shall we? Um, just one more thing. Um, when I asked God why, the only answer that he gave me is, Todd, I love you. So my response to that is going to be, I trust him. <laughs> so whatever he desires. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thanks, Todd.